Gaming and BS episode 43, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character Folio. Welcome to Gaming and BS, where we talk about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I am one of your co-hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. So, yeah, Brett. I think we've tried to do this three times tonight, Sean. That's what it feels like. You know, I'm just surprised that Brett still has a computer in one piece. <laughs> I was I was a little angry there for a bit. I was. I think it's on your end, Sean. Oh. It's got to be on your end because it can't be on my end. If it's on my end, I'm going to rage. Oh, well. I don't think so. Oh. Anyway, we're back. We're back. Let's take it from the top, shall we? Yeah, let's take it from the top. Let's do some announcements. Announcements. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to repeat you or repeat everything you say. All right. Blueberry. We got a Blueberry affiliate account. So I, when we were talking about bonus BS and I went through the workflow and everything, we use Blueberry to host MP3s. So if you are interested and checking out Blueberry to host your MP3s for your podcast, you can try them for one month for free if you mention and use our promo code Gaming and BS. Uh, the nice thing about Blueberry that I find is there's some hosts where they give you a set amount of space per month to upload, and you can download as much as is you know they they take care of the download stuff. That's why you should host at an MP3 hosting company. Um, but with uh, Blueberry, some hosts, they have a hard cap. So if it's like 500 megs a month, that's it. If you are at 460 and your episode's going to take you over the 500, you can't upload it. They give you a little cushion, which is nice. So if you're interested, check them out. We get a little sliver if you end up paying um, down the road, and that would be much appreciated. Uh, Bonus BS episode 004 has dropped. That is part two of Inside Gaming and BS. So I did a solo show of planning a podcast, and then this one would be the workflow piece of it. So I start out with, we are going to do an episode. What do Brett and I do, and what do we use from start to finish? Kind of the procedural stuff for our, for producing an episode. So yeah, check it out if you haven't done so already. It does not it does not include Brett flipping the fuck out when he can't get his internet connection to work right. Um <clears throat> so the only announcement I had was the uh encoded design boys. We're talking about the uh, part-time gods of fate Kickstarter f- friends over there at Misdirected Mark. Uh Phil Vecchione, Chris Nizak. They're working on a uh, cyberpunk game. Yeah. Uh, Fate engine stuff, and from what I'm hearing, they're bandying about different concepts for names and so forth. But last episode, Phil hit fucking gold. Paid Rocker boys and vending machines. Yep, take my I money. Want, exactly. Here's a blank check, sir, with my name on it. Put in any dollar figure you want, Phil, and I will pay it. Funding level. I want that game. Funding level two thousand dollars. Um, one contributor to two thousand dollars. Done. Boom. Bam. Make it happen. Stretch goals. I want T-shirts. I want fucking bumper stickers. Yeah. Rocker boys and vending machines. Rocker <laughs> boys and vending machines. In seriousness, though, go to the uh, Misdirected Mark um, G Plus community. 
if you're not already in there, what's wrong with you? Get in there. And uh, Phil and Chris are keeping folks kind of live how they're going through the design process and what they're doing. And they're taking some good feedback from folks. They're saying, hey, what about this? Oh, I don't like what you're saying there. What do you, you know, so on and so forth. So it's it's fairly interactive. They're doing a good, they're doing good stuff over there. And see what you can do to get them to change the name to Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. I think they should change the name of their podcast to that. I would think, I mean, misdirector, misdirected Mark's cool, but I think Chris kind of inherited that. They should do a spinoff, Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. It's like oh, a punk yeah. band. It feels like a punk band, doesn't it? It feels like a punk band name. I like everything about this. If they don't do something with this, goddammit, Sean, you and I are going to take this and run with it. That's yeah. what we're going to do. Hey, if they squander these diamonds, we will scoop them up and cash them in. That's wonder, what we're going to do. I wonder if the domain's available. Not anymore. <laughs> Boom. Booyah. Uh, random encounter. Random. Random Encounter, where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media and our website. Let's kick it off. Matt Martinez writes on G Plus episode 42. Episode 42, there's a few of them tonight. Just a reminder, if you haven't listened to episode 42, start at zero. Do you work your way up? We don't have a zero. We're confusing the audience. Oh, Start that's, it. The hid, that's the hidden one under that's the, the Rocker hi- Boys end of the machine. The hidden, that's the top secret one. The Illuminati has not given us the green light to release it. Episode 42, we talk about what we would not allow at a gaming table as far as like a topic, subject topic, and some, you know, the controversial stuff. So we've gotten a few people that have commented. Matt Martinez writes in regarding that episode. The discussion of Cormac McCarthy's The Road and the multiple mentions of dead babies made me wonder if anyone has ever run an RPG based on McCarthy's Blood Meridian, in which a tree full of infant corpses shows up at one point. I've not done that with dead babies. I might have to put that into my bed. Dead baby repertoire and see what I can pull off. Note itself. So So the answer would be no. No, Matt. We have not. Moving on, in all seriousness, because he was joking there. I like Matt's sense of humor. Dark, depraved, good man. I like this Matt. About dead babies. Now he's putting on the serious hat. I personally... I personally... Personally feel... I I ate too much ice cream. That's it. (laughs) Some people, it gives, you know, lactose intolerance. For me, I cannot free up my tongue. (laughs) I personally feel that rape is a topic that is best left avoided in games. I feel that putting it into a game has a way of trivializing the topic. I kind of sort of regret not telling one GM, a friend who was running a game for other friends, I had an issue with the fact that he came up with an NPC backstory in which she was sold into slavery and repeatedly beaten and raped. He also had a bullying guard threaten to rape my male halfling rogue, which was more of an empty scare tactic by said NPC than an actual threat, but it seemed like a bit much. But being one of those people who tends not to want to rock the boat too much, I just went along with it. it that last piece there is, I think, what, where Matt's going with you know not wanting to rock the boat too much and just going along with it. I think a number of people at the gaming table will will sometimes suffer in silence when something either foolish or offensive is being done. And I think everyone has a breaking slash tipping point where when the foolish or offensive thing happens more and more and more, then 
they'll stand up and either walk out, not show up to the game anymore, find a reason not to be there, perhaps not necessarily confronting the offender or offensive issue head on. And that's not always easy to do. You know, everyone has their own way that they're going to cope with whatever is bothering them. I mean, even if you take something as trivial as the player who won't stop quoting fucking Monty Python at the table, there's some people that just don't show up to the game anymore. Other people, you know, throw Cheetos at him. Other people hit him in the head with dice, whatever. But so, again, something that trivial and transport that up to something serious like this. And uh, it, it can be hard for people to to uh, to address it and deal with it. So I get where Matt's coming coming from. Sometimes, you know, what are you going to do? Do you just sit back and, and let it go? Or, you know, if it keeps coming up, maybe then you step on them. So. Matt, I'm not putting words in your mouth there, man. If I said something a little out of line there, I apologize, but that's kind of how I'm reading this here. I would be curious, Mr. Matt, if you, so if it was that and that was it, one and done, and then it just kind of blew over, or, because it sounds to me like it did, like that was it, and then the game went on, and then it wasn't an issue, and it didn't come up again. But I would be interested to know if, uh, I mean, what it what was the outcome? I mean, did am I right in assuming that it was just, now, kind of one situation, and then, you, you know, that was it? Or did you leave? Or what? Are you, are you forced to suffer in silence? Yeah, this right. Continues to do something rather rude. Let us know. Thanks for cool. writing in, Matt, man. Absolutely. All right. Dwayne Padilla, also commenting on episode 42. I don't think there's anything I would avoid completely, but there are issues with which I would approach cautiously to avoid upsetting my fellow players. There are nooks and crannies of our own psyche that can be explored in the right game with the right players. I think that can be a valuable part of RPGs. Uh, you need to be able to read the room, though, because otherwise you risk ruining the experience of the players. There's no reason we can't all have a great experience, but there's a time and a place and a group for everything. So, Dwayne, I, I, uh, I absolutely agree with you. There's, I, you know, I, I brag up my group quite a bit, but there's even certain things there that, <coughs> excuse me, um, that the group probably based on the makeup of them and some of the people that have played at different times, if I look back over the 24 years of my group being together, there's certain things I want to bring up because I happen to know some of the personal history of some of the players who used to be regulars. Um, wouldn't bring some of those topic ups because topics up because I know they would be harmful or offensive. That said, you know, if you do have a group of people like, you know what, I really want to, you know, shine a light into some of those nooks and crannies of our psyche and, and talk about this horrible, dark thing, or this other thing. Some people really enjoy that stuff. And I, um, if you want to do that and everyone's on board with it, that, that might be, I mean, then it's okay, in my opinion. What do you say, Sean? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just, I want to, I would stay away from the stuff. Me personally, I don't, I don't want to explore that shit. See, right there, if Sean's in my group, hey, Sean, we want to do this deep, dark thing where we talk about, um, X and it's this horrible thing that happens to children. You'd be like, no, I'm not in for that. Phil Vecchione said in the one episode, yeah, no, I'm not down for cruelty to children. I don't want to talk about that. Okay. There's nothing wrong with saying, look, I don't want to do that. Oh, wow. Okay. I see. You I know. think, I think the people that may want to kind of, um, explore that is, is kind of their way of not putting their head in the sand, right? They might look at somebody like me and say, oh, that's kind of Sean putting his head in the sand because it's, you know, that shit happens, man. You know, that's, that's for real. That's life. And by, you I know, see it as Sean saying, this is my game and my game doesn't have to articulate well, my life. Right. I'm saying, <laughs> right. But there are groups that, 
incorporate this stuff because they can research deeper the the nooks of um the psyche like right there are the nooks and crannies of our own psyche that can be explored in the right game with the right players so i think that's okay and i think you got to have the right group and the right chemistry i mean i i know some people that are like yeah you go to the forge and there's some games that that tend to um not I don't want to pick the forge, but or independent or story games. But there are some. I mean, I saw one that um, somebody was trying to publish. I think it might have been Clyde over at Theory of the Closet, um, but it was really some deep themes, and I think that's fine. But it is not. It's not where I want a game. It's not where I want a game. It's not fun for you. It, yeah, no. done. Moving on. You know, I don't know. Fair I think enough. you can explore some kind of cool dynamics within role playing games without having to go there and some people would disagree with me and hey that's okay because that's what makes us all different and human they're entitled to be wrong right sean (laughs) (laughs) moving on all right carl carl's got a good one carl keesler carl keesler two e's in the last name gaming and bs podcast where we make every attempt to read and pronounce the last name correctly I'm pretty sure I've butchered a couple. <laughs> yeah. But just, for Carl, I think we got just, it. It's just a dig. <laughs> Looking at you, Chris. Nice. I'm just kidding. Carl Kiesler comments, G Plus, episode 42. I had this issue just come up in one of our last sessions, and I still feel pretty bad about it. I had a player get up from the table and just leave the room without saying a word to anyone. We game at her and her husband's house. We thought she just went to bed. She's been known to do things like that in the past if she's not feeling well or is tired. The situation was as follows. It's a Savage Worlds East Texas University game. The players are students that are very much like Scooby kids, solving mysteries and stopping bad people from doing bad things. The group was investigating a neighborhood whose dogs have been missing or some time, for, for some time now. They tracked the sightings of a strange pickup truck to a bunch of white power neo-Nazi scumbags. They monitored the house and saw that the trio of guys were getting ready to leave. I described a plastic tote bin being loaded into the back of the pickup and one guy hitting the side of it with his fist and yelling something at it. This is when the player left the game. She knew and was right that there was a, were abducted dogs in the bin. The player later emailed me and said she was sorry for leaving the game and the reason why. I had no idea something like uh, this would affect her the way it did, or I never would have introduced such a plot line. I told her there was no need to apologize, and I should be the one apologizing to her, and I did. I get it now. She was a huge soft spot. She has a huge soft spot for animals and won't ever go there again. But this is the same player that shot an unarmed and unsuspecting dude in the back of the head in a zombie game I once ran. Killed millions of orcs with bows and swords, all with no hesitation or problem at all. Communication is key. Just talk it out. If everyone is friends, then that should be enough. And if a player has issues with something, that uh, don't go there again. We play these games to have fun, just like watching a movie or reading a book. Maybe that player isn't into watching the movie Pulp Fiction, and you are. And that's cool. I'm sure there's something out there you can all agree on and have fun with. I think that last piece just uh, articulates what your point was on the previous one, right? That's, you yeah. know, we're, we're all there to have fun, find the common ground for it. I do, it is interesting where you have someone who, um, 
you know, lit the, uh, lit the gangsters building on fire, you know, nailed the door shut so they couldn't escape and everyone burned to death. You killed all the orc babies. You, um, fought this, that, or whatever demon or I don't think all these that, other things. I don't and think, then some, and then there's like this trigger like, Oh, I don't think like, that shit's real, man. Yeah. See, and then that it's like, not Oh, real. I can kill a thousands can... of orcs, man. There's no freaking orcs. Exactly. In my backyard. Exactly. But, you know, you're shooting, shooting the bad guy in the back of the head. People are still people. Still. still I, don't, not real. I don't have a bad guy coming into my house. I don't, I don't, you don't confront that shit every day. Dogs and, and cats, they're, they're in my, I got four of them goddamn things. Four <laughs> cats said, and a dog. He's holy- just so, just so people know, he's holding a gun to a cat's head no, right now. I am just not, out of rage. No, I am not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, but he's animals not. are weird. Animals have a really weird appeal. And I don't say weird in a bad light. Is it just they... I've seen... Man, I'm telling you, I've had pets. I've had to put them down. It's tough shit. I've had relatives that have passed away. Sometimes I think the pet is harder to let go than the damn relative. And I say that because the the pets are like... You know, I, I this is gonna sound weird. I know it's getting off on a tangent, but I had a, a, a guy that gamed with us. He was a brother-in-law of a friend of mine, and he has kids. I don't have kids, and a lot of the people around the table had kids. And he's like, kids. He's like unconditional love. And I said, shit, talk to me when they're sixteen, right? I know I was razzing the guy. Okay, I'm like, come on, man. You know, I, I get that you love your kids. It's all good. I, you know, great, good for you. But at the same time, I'm like, you know who's got, like, it's the old adage, that joke that's like, hey, if you tie up your wife and you stick her in the trunk of a car, and then you tie up your dog and stick her, stick them in the trunk of your your car, and you open the trunk, you know, two hours later, who's who's the one that's going to be thankful to see you? The dog. The dog, right. right? Yeah. So the yeah. dog, I mean, they're freaking relentless. Like, they just want to love you. And sometimes well, it's like any, it's the main thing is that people have a soft, <clears throat> people have soft spots with, um, a person, a, a thing, yeah. whatever it is, they've got something there. Right. And I think the, I the only probably, thing I, I don't like the fact that she got up and walked out. Now I'm not there. I don't know her. Well, she, right? she just gets up cause she's tired and goes to sleep and doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. So that, I mean, there's, wow. there's track laid there where that, that type of behavior happens and people get it. The cool part, though, was that the email after saying, look, Carl, I didn't like this thing. Please don't do that. Oh, shit, says Carl. I'm not going to do that thing. Thank you for telling me. Moving on. Yeah. Instead of doing the where you just harbor the resentment and then because who knows if that entire storyline was a was a hoot and it worked out really well. Next time Carl rolls something else out, it could be cats. It could be guinea pigs. It could be rats. It could be whatever. And, and it's not like. You know, Carl slaughtering animals on a regular basis. But the point is, is that you could take that thing and say, wow, we had a lot of fun with that. I'm going to use this piece as a jumping off point. Remember the time when you had to fight the people that, that were uh, torturing dogs? Oh, says this woman. I'm sick of talking about the fucking dog torturers. You know, this is rolling in her head. So addressing it like she did, at least coming out after the fact saying, Carl, I don't like it. And then Carl responding positively saying, oh, sorry, we'll fix and move on. That's that's the cool part. Yeah, make it cats, right? Yeah, make it cats. Because who likes cats? Like, I I like cats. <laughs> oh, I like shit. animals. See, yeah, I don't no. think if you don't like animals, I think you're a serial killer. Next, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Right. I'm just kidding. Hey, 
I'm just kidding about the speaking kids of, thing. I'm just speaking kidding. of taboos and red flags. I'll I'm throw my just, fucking card on you, bitch. I'm just kidding about the kids thing. I know people. I know, I know. I leave it. See, that's why I'm not a parent, man. I let the good parents parent. You don't want yeah. me parenting. No, I think there's a court order in Wisconsin that doesn't allow you to be a parent. That's I signed that willingly. <laughs> I know you did. To get in the state when I was five. All right. What does Steve have to say? You going to read this one? Steve, good day. Yeah, you got it. All right. My buddy, Steve. So um, Steve writes in, not in any of these episodes. He just writes in the community to see what everybody has to say. He says, when dealing with group dynamics and role-playing, your character should... Blah, blah, blah. When dealing with group dynamics and role-playing, your character should ever resolve conflict within the party with skill checks. Should you ever... Oh, my God. Should you ever resolve conflict... With the party, with skill checks. There you go. You got there. Good boy. Good God. Example, if a character in the group is more persuasive, shouldn't they have a stronger say in the direction of the party? Because the character might not know any better or be unable to say no to the idea. So his example is, I'm Mr. Persuasive Person. I'm going to... Put, I'm going to put down my persuasive skill and convince the whole party to go this route. And everybody will go, yeah, that's pretty convincing. And then they kind of lead or follow, right? That's his example. Now, I had a, uh, the reason is similar. this is this a real-life situation. I had a uh, I had a similar one. A guy I used to game with. Um, his name was, is Shastin. <laughs> no, the guy I used to game with, his name was uh, Jan. Post- Poston. <laughs> no, different guy. <laughs> This guy I game with Jan, he was a former Marine Force recon dude. Um, you know, active duty and whatnot. And, you know, they think they're all tough guys. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell him you said that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. So he loved to play mages. He loved it, loved it, loved it. He really got into uh, role-playing games in high school. When we went in the core, he played more. When he got back, he found my buddy Chris. We're all gaming. And we used to give him shit that he would play the Marine Force recon mage because he'd have this... High elven mage, da da da, and we would go. He goes, okay, here's what you got to do. And he'd set up camps for us and all this this tactical stuff. And uh, finally, someone would go, Jan, is that on your? Does your character know that, or is that just you? Oh yeah, I I uh, I, I don't know anything about military tactics. And shut up, dude, <laughs> because he he is a player though. He would come up with these ideas like, oh fuck, that sounds great. Yeah, you well, yeah, this is how you do it. Oh blah blah blah. Don't get on the skyline. You'll be high, you know, silhouetted and blah blah blah. I'm like, oh wow, smart smart dude. His character had no fucking clue about it, but you know, it sounded really good. He would get the whole group to go along with it because he was a pretty persuasive guy. Similar thing. So Sean. When this happened in your game, because Steve's playing with you, <laughs> what did you make? Did I, you make him roll a dice? What did no, you? No, I kind of put a squash on it all. I'm just kind of like, let's just kind of move move along. I mean, I know what Steve was trying to accomplish, and I just kind of said, you know, let's got let's not get into it right now. But I'll tell you what, going forward, we're gonna do skill check shit. Yeah, yeah. Because what the hell? If you're gonna do PvP, right? First of all, PvP. However, you define that. I'm thinking if it can get to that point, here's the deal. If it comes, if it can come to blows and everybody's like, yeah, that's fine. Let's come to blows. And a weapon is swung. And in that weapon attack, you apply modifiers because that's part of your player character, part of your player character. Then I think you might as well apply modifiers and skill checks. Because in my opinion, you can't say, hey, I'm the most persuasive guy. 
character or I'm the most intelligent and then just say, no, you can't use that when you're going player versus player. But you can if you go into combat. Yeah. You can have your modifiers go into combat. See, the other piece now is PvP, so basically player versus player. And yeah. you could say, well, this is a tense environment. I'm trying to do something um, in a D&D example. I'm trying to steal something as my thief, and I don't want the paladin to see me. So that's player versus player. I'm trying to do something and get away with it. Versus we're having that group discussion where we're in the dungeon saying, I don't know, do we go right? Do we go left? What do we do? Um, in that scenario, it's not really player versus player, right? It's not character versus character. It's laying out all the data, trying to figure things out. What do you want to do? We're supposed to save the princess. Do we go right? Do we go left? Well, I heard this thing over there. That's what I think we ought to do. I think that's different than an antagonistic or a potentially antagonistic setup like you're describing, where is potential where, again, I'm trying to do something and get away with it or potentially ending up coming to blows. Well, I think the I think the people that will have issues with it are the ones that don't like to give up player agency, and I don't think you have to. So I think they say, "Hey, I rolled a twenty on my persuasion check. You roll your your uh, shit. I don't know um, diplomacy. I don't know how you would detect that." Well, this is where a game like a fate or something comes into play from. When I know of fate where you could say, well, I will invoke this. Oh, yeah, you think so? How about this? And you can have a little more back and forth where I think that game perhaps is more set up for that type of uh, you maintain the agency, but yet still utilize um, the mechanics. Yeah. I'm thinking. I don't know enough about know. it, honestly. Well, all I'm saying is that if somebody wins the role – Say it's persuasion, simple, sim, something as simple as, hey, we should go this way. No, I think we should go that way. Okay, let's roll. Then I think the person that loses has to go, oh, okay, that's a great idea, and then go with it. I mean, Jesus Christ, you'll find out later if it's worth a shit or not, and then you can play it in game. Yeah, then you can you, bitch him out that he took him wrong. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Next, ne- oh, remember the last two times? I think I get a plus on my roll yeah. against you, man. You, I would be a GM that would be all. I would be all over that. I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, man. But I, I think that's kind of the. I mean, otherwise, you're player versus player, not character versus character, and that's the difference. And until I get that. yeah, and until you're representing you as your player, come on, man, that doesn't work that way. We don't play that way. All right. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Everyone's wrong, but Sean, I get it. I'm dead on about that. This is what happens when we have to record three times in a row. Sean's had about three drinks before this this run. Yeah, I ran out of beer. I'm on wine now. So let's just see how this goes. To be careful. I mean, that was stupid about about the kid thing I said about throwing your wife and your dog in the trunk. I apologize. That's it can be offensive. Still true. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I could. Dog would still I, be happy. I don't care what you say. But <laughs> let's do this sponsor and cleanse our palate. Do it. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop. Custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order at the website grayedout, that's G R E Y E D O U T dot Etsy dot com.
We're back. We're back. Sweet. You know, I think we should do a morning show format. We're morning pretty, show format? We're pretty close anyway. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> like a four-hour podcast morning show. How are you doing that fuck? I don't know. Every, <laughs> every, every five minutes an ad, and every yeah. 10 minutes on the hour, the weather, and every 15 minutes on the hour, or fi- every 15 minutes do like the weather. Speaking of things that are offensive to people, I'm going to throw my freaking X card right now, dude. <laughs> I hate morning shows. I know. I hate them, hate them, hate them. Yeah, you hate them because you have to listen to them. But if you're making them, you'll love it. Nice. Topic of discussion, Brett. All right. So I want to talk about taking advice to the table, different tips and tricks and things that we, that Sean or I may have tried or heard about doing. Talk about some of the ones that we've done, that, you know, what's worked, what's failed, and what's some of that stuff you, you heard about and went, ooh, that sounds cool. Ah, I can never pull that off. You know, I thought of one. Uh, somebody brought one up really recently, and I'm like, shit, I forgot. Did you? I seriously, I was like, oh, that's great. Totally can't remember what the hell it was. So I've got two classic examples of ideas and things that people have thrown out, at least classic in my opinion. Excuse me. John Wick, his Play Dirty, when the original Play Dirty articles came out on Pyramid Magazine when that was online, he now has Play Dirty as a standalone book as well as a Play Dirty 2. People would, he would have, he had ideas like, hey, here's how you could do hidden hit points. Here's a way to make your combats more effective. Here's a way to deal with assholes at the table. And he was quoted a couple times where people would come back and say, yeah, boy, that sounds like really cool. I could never do it. It was just cathartic reading it. You know, like, yeah, boy, I would really like to do this to this dick at my table, but I'm, I'm never going to do the thing that John talked about. Uh, he had an idea like, look, you know, you've got the rules lawyer, the guy who is just <clears throat> telling you, well, the rules don't say I can't, so therefore I'm going to. Well, the people break your game. He's like, all right, then blindfold him. Tell him to make all your everything he has to do. He as the player has to be blindfolded. The rules don't say I can't do it, so therefore I can. You know, taking it to the nth degree, if you will. Yeah, I would just um, say in that case, you can just punch him in the face and say the rules never told me I couldn't punch <laughs> you in the face. So though that one, uh, I believe it was John Tynes, um, had a uh, a website a while back, a number of years ago. I remember reading he had some tips for kind of elevating your game or taking certain situations. One of the ones he would do was he talked about basically different variations of vocal intonation, not just um, accents and so forth at the table, trying to speak with a faux Scottish accent or trying to talk like a Southerner or somebody from uh, Italy or something, <clears throat> but like yelling, screaming at the players when the bad guy screaming, scream at them across the table roar, make noises. He talked about how he threw a chair across the floor one time, slammed the table, and so on. Holy and shit. I read that one, and I went, oh, like, I do that You're playing a role-playing game with Bobby Knight. <laughs> I looked at that one. <laughs> oh, I've done all that stuff. And my friend's like, what, really? I said, no, dude, I seriously have. I, I picked the chair up and threw it across the floor one time um, to uh, simulate a car crash. I smacked the table. I picked things up. I've yelled, screamed at people, pointed at them from across the table, and just got like red in the face, angry, just to you know draw them out. Um, I've done that, and other people are like, oh, fuck, dude, you're crazy, man. What's wrong with you? Hey, this is episode 43, not 42. <laughs> I know, I know. Red so, flags, taboo, X card. So not even, so perhaps not necessarily going that far, but you read a book on, you know, Robin's Laws, or you'll read um, something from the guys at Gnome Stew put out books, you know, or Cobalt um, Press, they'll put out things like, hey, here's some ideas and so forth. So, Sean, I was curious have you read an article or a book or even heard somebody says, hey, you know, 
so a simple one for you. I know people use music, theme music, sound effects, and so forth. People used to make mixtapes. They burn CDs, MP3 tracks. I have never been able to pull that off. Every time I've tried it, it has just failed because I get distracted. I can't find the right track. It slows me down. Um, it doesn't seem to work right. I don't. I don't like it. It just gets in my way. Well, yeah, but you're not, you're not doing it right. Probably not. Not like you would, Sean. How are you doing it? That you're doing it so right. Yeah, that's the trick, right? You got to use the soundboard we use for the transitions, man. And I think if I if I showed you this, you'd be like, oh, I could totally see that. I could totally work that, man. I could totally work that. Where I'm going though is there? Have you heard of something that a game master says? Oh, this is how I've done. I make my combats by doing this, or I I force the players to do this thing, or a tip or a trick that you've heard. You're like, well, that sounds cool, but I don't think I could do that, or my group would never tolerate that. Have you ever encountered those? Give me a blank stare now. I'm trying to think really, really, really hard. <laughs> he's he's smoking. I can see it. <laughs> I I I don't know, man. I cannot. Uh, You're just so set in your ways. Uh, you will try nothing new. No, it's not about not trying something new. I just don't know if I have come with any super cool epiphany where it's like, oh, dude, we should really try this because uh, it'll be really awesome. Hmm. <clears throat> For me, the interesting piece is I've read a number of different things online. People will say you know, a PDF article or even even an advice book, right? Um, there's the one, a couple of cobalt guys like, hey, this is how you should do this thing. Or, um, hey, here's here's a really good idea of how you how you can make your combats faster or more effective, uh, be more effective at delivering story. People say something like, well, you know what you got to do is you just have to take a, uh, the old <clears throat> the old D&D modules that had a box text, you know, read the text to the players. And then later on, people say, well, you don't read the whole thing verbatim. You paraphrase it. You put your own spins and twists on it. Okay, that, paraphrasing it, put my own spin on it, use my own voice, use my own words. Not everybody can do <clears throat> that very that that thing. I can't just give anybody text and say now just you know make this your own and then um, read it, but don't read it to this group of players. And I think where some of the tips and tricks that I've read or that I've heard people talk about at seminars and so forth fall flat is there's no tactical way to take it from that concept into how you do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So case in point, Ed Greenwood last year at Game Hole. He was talking about game mastering, of course. We're talking about world building, and then people got into NPCs and so on. And Ed said, well, I went from gaming in a certain way. Then I kind of, he said, I brought ham acting into my games. So anytime someone wants to talk to the barkeep, you know, I grab a grab a mug. Oh, good to see you, sailor. <clears throat> Spits in a mug, wipes it out with a cloth, slides, him, slides it across the game table. The guy, what do you have there? He gets into character immediately. He he does this ham acting thing where he picks a personality and he goes with it. Just huge. Ed spit in a cup? Uh, not at the table, but not in front of us, but he's done Nasty it before. Nasty bastard. I know. But the point is, is that what he was saying was, I tactically did this thing. And the room kind of went, oh, oh, that's what you did. You didn't just, oh, I started ham acting. And went, well, what do you mean? So case in point. When the players came into a bar, I took on this persona and I worked and I worked with it. I spoke everything in character and I did this. Ask me a question. Someone asked him a question. And he went, that's what I would say. And back and forth. And he took the accent, the whole bit, and he just 
went with it. When, oh, okay, so that's tactically how you're doing this thing. Where when someone will say, well, just paraphrase the text and you know put it in your own voice. That is a mountain for some people to climb. That's not a very simple thing to do. It's kind of like you know Phil Vecchion and I both do project management. And it's not always easy to stand in front of... Uh, yeah, boring cell, right? <laughs> but, and, you, and you do recruiting, right? So it's not easy. I don't think I could easily do <laughs> Sean's job and get a call from somebody. I hate interviewing people. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, I mean, My you shit. get off on that crap. I can't stand it, you know? I, I'm no good at that. I'm lying. <laughs> I know you're lying. <laughs> I just can't lie that way. Tell well. me a little bit about yourself. I really don't care. <laughs> nice to hear that. That's, that's Tell me good. one of your accomplishments. That doesn't sound like a big deal. That sounds pretty small. Wow, you're you're fucking useless. Tell me why we should hire you. Yeah, this is not going to work. So are there any things that you've heard people talk about at seminars, game tables, or even, I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Michael Brown, right? The full costume thing where he goes just big production, or even Carl Kiesler with his minis and his setups. People go, wow, that looks really cool. I don't think I could do it because I don't even know how to start doing that tactically. Oh, that shit's easy, man. Oh, I, I sincerely believe that some of the now hold on now before I say Carl's stuff is easy or what Michael. Oh, that shit Carl does that's easy. We just raved oh, about him two oh. minutes ago. Oh, he sucks. <laughs> that's easy shit. Well, there Fuck. goes Carl as a listener. See you, Carl. Have a nice day. Thanks for giving us a run. <laughs> no, Brett, I. Brett's nine year old did that. Shit balls. Um, and we talk about Michael Brown for Dead Game Society who puts on like Kistastrophe and some other stuff that he dresses up as a GM and, and themes his games, Nightmare on Elms, uh, Nightmare on Sesame Street, D20 Call of Cthulhu and Sesame Street mashup. Anyways, and he's doing a he's doing a LARP, by the way. I don't know if you knew this, Brad. He's doing a Rocky Horror picture show LARP at Game Hole. Jesus Christ. 18... 21 and over, actually. I think it's 21 and over, Lark. I, I think you kind of need to at that. You need to have like full-blown drinking drinking age adults and that type of thing. Yeah, Crazy. So if, if you like to get into some role-playing, oh, there's the, the Rocky Horror LARP. Anyways, what I'm saying with those guys is that what they're doing, I think, is easier. It's not to say that it doesn't take work. So, okay, I want to preface that. What Carl does is a lot of attention to detail and a lot of work. Same thing with Michael. A lot of attention to detail, a lot of work, production. I think the harder point or the harder part of it is pulling it off and combining that with the meat and potatoes of the game. Because I think if you have the flair, but you don't have the meat, then you're going you're gonna to get people that are like, well, that was great, but there wasn't any plot to the game or, and I don't think, and I think most of us gamers are not used to the flair. So if you could pull off the game and add the flair, then it's like, Whoa, this is super cool. And I think that's where Carl and Michael both come in. So they, I think I haven't played in a Carl game, but I got to imagine that he pulls it off and that, that, that the extra stuff he puts into it, like the die cast, you know, cars and the miniatures and the custom maps and the you know setting you know is awesome no i think so it's the cherry I'm on at, it's on the it's the cherry on the top yeah where i'm getting at is that the the uh <clears throat> the melding of it right what the hell are so you I getting think, at <laughs> nice 
<laughs> Sorry. So if I were to take a bunch of really cool minis, some great set dressings, and try to put together a Carl Kiesler type of uh, layout, get some great paper minis or whatever it is I've got, if I don't know how to interact with them tactically with my mastery of the rules or lack of mastery of the rules or whatever, you need to be able to have how do I interface with this thing. So I think some of it comes down to practice. When you go to a con game, you have that ability I, I think, where you have done this before or you you worked it with your group. So sometimes, though, when you take that new thing, like if Ed Greenwood says, you know what you need to do, Sean, is you just need to get into character and you need to oh, yeah. act like this thing. And yeah. just, if you've never done that before, yeah. if you've never taken a fake French accent and yeah. tried to do that at oh, the bad, table. Bad at French. You're bad at French? Bad at French accents. <laughs> I'm bad at Irish and I'm Irish. <clears throat> oh, that's that's... That's kind of disappointing. Really hardened up my R's. Ah, uh, boy, oh boy. I know. Anyway, I remember being a kid reading uh, Dragon Magazine articles, and then as I got into college, talking to other people, going to cons, and or seeing people online saying, "Oh, this is what I've done," or you could just do this thing. All you have to do is blah. And I think it's much like a lot of different advice pieces. When you say all you have to do is, you almost need to discount that individual yeah, right. because it's never quite. Dude, that it's easy. really that easy, man. <clears throat> so. I think some of the um, tactical components of how do I actually implement the thing, that's where, I mean, I look back to one of our earlier episodes, and I forget which one it is, so again, listen at, at one and push forward. Uh, someone asked me, hey, Brett, how, how do you use wikis for your game? So I went, okay, um, I use a page to do this, I use a page to do that, I use a page to document this information. It was very, quote-unquote, boring to just lay out hey, one page has this information, and that information happens to be A, B, C, D, E. I hyperlink things back and forth, and every week I go back through after the session, and I update the notes, and I keep it in such an order. Oh, thank you. That tactical information is then something that you, if you've never used a wiki before, if you've never done that type of thing, you can say, oh, I know how Brett at least tactically does this, so that makes sense. How you use uh, Google Google Plus Community, if you've not dealt with it before. It's kind of they're very self-explanatory. But again, how exactly is somebody using it to run or manage their game system <clears throat> or the game that they're playing? Um, it's like any of these tools that we talk about, you know, people saying, oh, what you need to do is you, um, a game system will have a really cool die. We'll have a fate die or chips or tokens. And people will say, oh, I, you, all you have to do is take that mechanic and you can move it to any game you want. That's not always that easy if you don't know how tactically to fold everything together. So I guess where I'm getting at is that some of the, I guess, uh, more or less a bitch of mine than anything else is when you get some of the advice that people will give you. I'll listen to Ken and Robin. I love Ken and Robin. And Ken will say a thing, well, any game master worth their salt should be able to just simply do this thing. I'm like, well, yeah, after you've done it for 20 years, you can kind of figure that out. But when you're talking to somebody who is trying to figure out how to do something for the first time, they don't have 20 years of Call of Cthulhu under their belt. They haven't played D&D for 10-plus years and made 50 bad mistakes or in, and trashed five campaigns and had players leave because they just don't like what they're doing. It, it's hard to get that person to be able to tactically walk along and say, oh, here's how you can help fix your game. Here's a thing you can do to make it even more fun. You're not following me at all there, are you? Yeah, I am, but I... I I get hung up on the folks that are like, oh, any any GM that's worth their weight in salt or worth their weight in gold would be able to do X, Y, and Z. Because I, I don't know, man. I've I've played with some GMs 
that I thought were really, really awesome. And I've played with GMs I thought were going to be really, really awesome. And the latter sucked. And I'm like, dude, you got like huge years under your belt and you are not impressing me at all. And then somebody who's very new is really awesome or whatever. Or maybe they don't get hung up with like maybe the bad habits or whatever. Anyways, I don't know. I don't know if that's what you're getting at. I don't know. A little there's bit. One, I... There's one thing. Okay. So one, one example I have. We're get, so one example I've come up or taken to heart. And I think it's like from a system. And it's, it's not even the system itself. Like Dungeon World. Okay. Dungeon World says everybody you interact with has a name. So I try to take that into every game I play. So you're not talking to the bartender. You're talking to Bart, the bartender. You're talking to, you know, Stephanie or whatever, the the bartender, the bar owner. So I, like I mean, that. that's like I do. I do a similar. Th- I do a similar yeah. thing. It take it takes that moment of the the kid on the street. Yeah, name Sammy. Oh, hey Sammy, how you right. doing? Yeah, I saw the guys. They ran down this way. It, it becomes a person, not just a nameless thing. It's not a bartender. Yeah, you might not might not know who they are, but they have a name, and so their name will come out. Not just you, a soft, squishy bag of XP. Yeah, I don't know. So Dungeon World has some very good uh, <clears throat> gaming tips in the game because of the way it's actually played. And if you take some of that, like even if you hate Dungeon World itself, if you read the game and you take out the stuff that it gives you, you, it'll make you a better player and it'll make you a better GM. So now if I was a game master and I read and I read some stuff, they're talking about, hey, you know, good ways to get players to play in character. And I've got people at the table who like to do the you call them by their I mean, character, character name all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a tip. Yeah. And that's a very tactical thing. One of the things that I started doing, Kevin, uh, Kevin did this. Because I was having a hard time with the one game remembering the characters' names. Yeah. Oh, so, that's the female-male thing, right? Yeah, it was just bugging me. So what I did was, and in my latest game, he brought enough um, cardboard. He folded up tents for everybody, and everyone right. had names in front. So it was really easy. <gasps> it's crazy. <clears throat> yes, but it was a really small tactical thing. So when I would say, well, make sure you call everyone by the character's name. You're like, okay, where do I put that? What's a good way to do it? So those little tactical tips to me have more value than just a blanket do a thing You're like okay how do i do the thing because it's not always that glaringly obvious <clears throat> but if i were to say you know what sean um you know what i'm gonna do at the table here everyone needs to talk in character i don't want this whole well my guy's gonna or i think she would i don't think my character would like that i don't want any of that talk it's all about you you're talking in your character's voice at all times well, you gotta is bring that, that you gotta bring that shit up right away man you gotta go no, here's well, what my game is gonna run like Yes, but I'm asking, though, is that something that you as a player are comfortable with? Would you do that? Or would you – how do I do this? Would you do it like because you've done it for a bunch and you practice and practice and practice and you're good at it? Or are you like, you know what, I, I just, it's just uncomfortable for me. I don't like doing that. Well, I think it has to be defined because I think you can do it and not talk in wacky voices. And I think that's what people get hung up on. Like, oh, am I going to have to talk in a wacky English voice? I don't, that's not what I do. I'm not an art, you know, I'm not an actor or actress. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm kind of reserved or I'm an introvert or I'm shy. But I think you can set, you can talk in first person. 
Like, I don't, I don't think that's going too far. I think if you just said, Hey, look, if you want to talk and you want to tell me what your person's doing, just say, you know, I'm doing this. You don't have to get into like, very well, I'm going to go. Blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I get it. So where the reason I'm taking us here is because there is. That was my Julia Child's imitation. That was Julia Child. That was, that was fucking terrible. It's terrible um, or amazing? Oh, <laughs> amazingly terrible. Terribly amazing. <laughs> Terribly amazing. So anyway, what oh. I'm saying is that I think the other piece that sometimes we need to remember is that there's taking a, a player tip or a trick or something like that. Hey, you know what would really help this game is if we talked in character. I think that would help a little bit because there's a lot of table talk. This is something that I, you know, that I've read or people have told me would be very helpful to limit that. One of the things to do then is recognize that certain that there's varying levels of success with that, right? Just be if the goal was, look, <laughs> I'm sick of Monty Python quotes, I'm sick of the goof around at the table. I think if we talk in character, that will help. And everyone goes, Oh yes, that's a very good idea. Dude, it's smacking so, smacking and flogging helps too. I know it does, but that's not more violence, man. It's the answer. Hey, <laughs> never be it's the twenty first century. It's the twenty first century. That's right. It's answered Never be everything. To be the first to resort to happy, violence. Okay, happy, bir- happy birthday, America. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sounds like somebody needs some freedom. <laughs> oh my god! It's, it's really late. I know it's late. It's a lot it's later, which means Sean has a couple cocktails. Yeah, well. So what I'm saying though is, I think what people need to do is take a look at it from even from a player perspective. I've had players tell me, you know, what I really would appreciate if everyone would talk as their character. Well, sometimes the person who said that says they have a funny accent, they have a thing they want to do, they want to act, they want they to stick. They got a shtick they want yeah. to get into, right? Okay, now I have learned since trying that and then having that person get pissed off that not everybody else wants to grab a shtick and run with it. You can say, well, remember. You know, Mary, Sue, whomever, you want to do that, that's great. But remember, you know, Tammy and Bill, they don't like to do that. So they'll only take it so far, and that's okay. Um, Every group has a person who's willing to go a certain distance with whatever the idea is that perhaps the rest of the group isn't, and that's fine. So I think I like, so to back to my music example, I have actually. While, while we were chatting here, it just hit me that I have used a soundtrack once. It's for a one-shot game. It's for a John Wick's um, uh, the, the King in Yellow series, Digging for a Dead God, that he did. It's, the, it's a jungle soundtrack. It's got a funky monster noise in it. It's perfect. It just fits. It's like rain and dogs and all this cool stuff. It just fits that. And it's a one-shot, so it works. So I decided that the best way for me to use sound is if I have a soundtrack like that, this for a single event. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it every night. I'm not going to come up with a soundtrack for every game session. But if I'm running a con game, I'll pull out the stops and create a track or something possibly and bring it there. Because it's a one-shot event. I could do it there. Mixtape. Mixtape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love Sean. Mixtape. Give it to your players. Yeah, I could totally do that. Totally illegal, but whatever. <laughs> so... I think, though, there are the other ones, like I talked about, I remember reading, like I said, that the website that John Tynes had. I don't even know if the site's still available or where the hell it was. But, you know, have you ever, I mean, there's the concept of fear and so forth of trying to physically be imposing 
or throwing a chair across the room. Some of that people go, oh, my God, that's crazy. I have actually I've walked around a room before when people were talking and I wanted to um, enforce a feeling of claustrophobia. So the room we were in. So you took we boxes had, and put it over their heads? Yeah, so I did. No, what I did was is the group was huddled. I think that would be awesome. It was really warm in the room we were gaming. And so everyone had gone outside because it was a nice breeze. So they're sitting outside and they're talking. And they kind of huddled up inadvertently in this little cluster, this amoeboid mass. And I wanted them to feel pressure to hurry up and make a decision and to feel that the world was, it was kind of coming down on them. Things were tough. It was tight. So what I started to do was as a game master, I paced. I just walked a circle around them, like physically. And then I got tighter and tighter and tighter. Pretty soon, everyone was standing shoulder to shoulder because they didn't. They had to get out of my way. And I was herding them like a like a shepherd dog to get into this space. What a bizarre, by the, what a bizarre GM you are. Yeah, I'm a weird fucker. What Jesus I, what can I say? Christ, I'd be like, I just, <laughs> so you, I just go to one of your games just to be like, oh, it's gonna be like popcorn, please. <laughs> What's with this guy? So, Sean, if I told you you could do that, and here's tactically how I did it. Is that something you would ever do? Yeah. Would you? Would you get up, herd them in a corner? Well, I don't. Know, I don't know if I would go that far, but I've gone around the table and I've put my hand on their shoulder and whispered in their ear, and I mean out loud, like, "Yep, hey." But I, so yeah, I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a big a deal. Throwing chairs and shit, man, that might get out of hand. I don't know. Yeah, I have. I have thrown a chair or two. I've done that. I've stood on chairs, you know, yelling and screaming and doing stuff like that, waving my arms and whatnot. I threw yeah. dice at people once. Once. Yeah, but you're like a thespian major, man. <clears throat> no, I'm not. It was English and philosophy. Come on, give me a break. Oh, I thought you were actor. No, no, no. That's Lenny. Lenny. Well, oh, Lenny English and th- English and philosophy. Yeah, two. Yeah, that's not close. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. ouch. So I guess we're all things considered. What I'm talking about is when we read. There's all these great things out there now that I think. If I mentioned this before, the from like a golden age of role playing and whatnot, we're in it now is how I view it. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> There's so much really cool stuff. And not only just from a game perspective, but when you read games now, when they tell you, hey, here's a really good way to run this game. Dungeon World says, hey, here's some good tools and tips and tricks on how to do this. And the good ones give you the tactical, when this happens, do that. When that happens, do this. Here's a very good example of play with Fate. I remember reading through the my Dresden files book um hey this is how when this happens this is how the chips go back and forth and this is how you invoke and this is how you make that happen here's how you apply pressure to people that's good stuff back back in the day when sean and i and other and other old grognars were starting that type of thing didn't happen if you read of like of dyson men um they talk about how gary gygax used to run the game from behind a filing cabinet he would pull the drawers out and basically hide himself away so that the players of some of the very first games, didn't even see him. He would, like, pass notes to them. They'd have to write stuff down that they were going to do, or, or they'd shout things from a caller to a mapper and all this stuff. Kinda, it seems it seems weird based on how the game plays now. Yeah. But... I'm going to do that it, shit at Game Hole. Pull out a filing cabinet and, and run, just hide behind it. run the game behind a filing cabinet. <laughs> but I guess the um, the cool thing is that if you want some really good advice, one of the reasons I buy other game systems now, um, kind of looking at my addiction, trying to figure out where the hell I get the problem, is a lot of these game systems have a lot of really cool tips, tricks, and ways to do things. So if I'm into my horror games and I pick up <clears throat> something um, 
Trail of Cthulhu. It's similar to Call of Cthulhu, clearly, but has some other stuff in it of how to do a thing. I'm like, oh, wow, that helps me really do my pacing better, or that helps this component of it. So when I read books by Cobalt or by uh, Engine Publishing, you know, the, the, the Gnome Stew guys, look at you, Phil. Um, when you look through that stuff, to me, the good ones are the ones that help me take something and tactically say, this is how you do it. It's kind of that, just go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you've never made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you don't know how to fuck to do that or where to start if you don't even know what a sandwich is. Shit, and when you're peanut butter, what the hell is yeah. that? <laughs> and when you're a young game master coming up, my son Connor, I look at him, and AJ wants, he's making a dungeon he wants to run for us, and he's nine. So he comes and he says to me, Dad, um, do my rooms have to, do my dungeons have to have secret doors? No, they don't. Well, yours always did. Well, they don't have to. And here's how you can do this. And this is why I did that. Oh, okay, that makes sense. He goes off and comes back a little bit, a couple days later. I really want to have this kind of monster, Dad, but I think the Beholder will kill you because I only want you to be like second level. Yeah, the Beholder's going to kill us, son. Okay, you're a little bastard. I love hey, you for it. But, don't you worry know. about game balance. Jesus Christ, <laughs> your old man doesn't. <laughs> exactly. That's what I told him. Right, and I then. said, this is how I would do it. <laughs> um, but to tactically tell somebody, hey, you can take it and you can make it be an old beholder. You can have half of its eyes blind. You can make it weaker or younger. Oh, that's good stuff. Those are the tactical pieces that when you're when the younger game master asks you or the younger player asks the new player, the um, broad sweeping, we'll just do it, just doesn't fly. We have to get tactical. So when I read these books and things, what I'm parsing through, I'm looking for the essay or the write-up of a very specific way to do a thing. I might not do it exactly like that, but I want to see how they have laid it out and how they've attacked it so I can figure out, yeah, okay, that'll work. I can do that, but I'm just going to do it in blue instead of red because I like blue better, and it'll work for me. All right, man. I totally... That, God, I felt like that topic sucked, dude. You didn't, and you didn't help me at all there. You did Shit. nothing. You did Shit. nothing for me. <laughs> hey, take nothing. it. Hey, take it up with the board. Take it up with the board. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna call Carl Kiesler. We're gonna kick your ass. That's what we're gonna do. Fair enough. <laughs> totally understandable. Hey, if you have whatever the hell we were talking about during that topic, <laughs> actually, what I like, what I like to hear honestly is, what is your favorite game master or player? you know, advice book or who's written a really good article, send us a link, tell me a title, an author, somebody who's given you really good advice that you were able to implement. If you've got a really good story about how you did something, throw it out on the Google Plus page. The coolest part about online communities, um, especially with gaming or any, any hobby like this. I mean, my buddy Lenny and the guys, I, I follow some of the painting communities. They'll talk about, hey, did you realize if you use this paint color on top of this paint color and, and you know, dry brush it with this third paint color, it fucking looks awesome. And here's the results. Those tactical steps help all of us be better at our hobby. So I'm curious to see what you guys have got because um, I'm always trying to take more and more in to see what else I can do to change it up a little bit, up my game, and uh, just do things different. Yeah, write us at gamingnbs at gmail.com, please. Do it. Or reach out to us on Google+. Plus mm-hmm. Or Facebook. Oh, shit, we're on Facebook, too, aren't we? Or Twitter. We are, absolutely. We even have a website. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. Die roll! Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to share with you. We are tied at zero, because Brett yes. came up with some stuff, and so did I. Good. Mine's so, better, though. Uh, they might be. They might be. 
So Gamehole and the Ed Greenwood Group have done a team up. They, um, the Ed Greenwood Group has um, their little uh, publishing house, all the good pieces there, and they have paired up with the game with the Gamehole guys, Alex Cameron and that team. We've got a link to the uh, to the article out there. It's pretty cool. It's good stuff. It just if nothing else helps to solidify the whole Gamehole awesomeness in my book. So it's pretty good stuff. Um, Sean and I on Friday we had that day off so we took a motorcycle ride we went out to Reedsburg, Wisconsin and found Vanguard Game Store board meeting I've been there I've been there a couple times before Sean what, did it meet the, did you meet your approval I give Vanguard Games a thumbs up they were really nice now <clears throat> as Phil talked about in uh, one of Misdirected Mark episodes on his vacation outside of Chicago a game store it's not really thick on RPGs I believe at this point that's true. The RPG section is in a game store is getting to be like the RPG section in a bookstore. It's a small subset. What they do have tons of are the board games, and that includes miniatures, of course. So the guys at Vanguard, they were super friendly. I can't remember the owner's name. I, I want to say it's Dave, but I could be wrong. But he was there. He saw us. You guys need anything? No, we're fine. He listened to us as we roamed around the store. He helped do this, that, and the other thing. He saw Sean and I looking at bolt action. Hey, do you have that? Here's what I know about this. Here's what you get. You want to sit for a demo? Nah, we don't really have time. Okay, great. I mentioned Warhammer. He pulled me into that stuff. So really helpful. Good guy. Not pushy, but just knowledgeable. And uh, basically ex- everything I wanted out of a game store. Wish he had more RPGs, but you know what? I wasn't really shopping for RPGs, just looking. So it worked. It was really weird not going in there and seeing a garbage can full of shit like overflowing onto the floor or crappy carpeting or I don't know. It's- like. You know, stuff done in Word doc, just taped up everywhere. It was really weird. It's, like, I don't know. It, may, he, it must be in the back room that's like that. Exactly. Yeah. All the clean professional stuff was up front. Yeah, I don't know. It's it really weird. Nice. Yeah. It's nice. It's Frame, like framed stuff in frames hung up on the wall uniformly is like really weird. This is strange. Yeah. Really strange. <laughs> the last piece, which I actually got from Vanguard Games, I, I knew this was coming, is uh, Warhammer. Uh, has the new Age of Sigmar. Age of Sigmar. So they're changing up some of the rule systems and stuff for the Warhammer Fantasy uh, battle stuff, and it might actually be interesting enough to me to get my uh, act back together and uh, pull my dwarves out and go to war again. So could be kind of cool. Got a link out there. Take a look at it. Uh, Sean, over to you, man. Bolt action, dude. Bolt action. That is tempting, too. After you talked about it, and uh, I think he might. Uh, I think the uh, shopkeep may have sold me. Nobody nobody has it locally. I have to go into one of the stores and go, hey, you should maybe stock this. I mean, we have a store in Madison, Last Square. They're not around anymore. And they were huge into wargaming. Huge. Oh, yeah. Like super huge. Well, what I'll have to do is I'll just have to head out to Vanguard with you on another bike ride and just have to pick up a couple Here sets. Here's another thing that, well, get me riled up. Here's another thing that pisses me off about some of the game stores. A major game store, Last Square, is absolutely and completely known not to do role-playing games. They did have a little section at one point in time, but really their whole fundamental, like their whole business was wargaming. Yeah, everything from the itty-bitty Napoleonic stuff to Civil War, you name a war game, fantasy, historical, sci-fi, they did it. They they did They run it at RockCon, and they do a Gen Con like Flames of War, and a but a, a shit ton. I mean, Jerry and those guys would just sit around and paint freaking miniatures all day because he's like a retired guy and he he owns the store. And that's all they do, and they'd have like the History Channel on all day. 
And it was a big freaking store and shit ton of freaking war miniatures. Anything from Warhammer 40K to like what Brad said, Napoleonic. Do you think anybody in Madison would pick up their flack? No. Nope. They left. They closed the store because I think Bev and Jerry both just were like closing it up and they were moving out to cross planes. And now I think they do mail order. But the front retail store is closed and gone, and it's Sayonara. And it was a big store. I would say it was at least, I would say it was at least thirty five hundred square feet. Oh, at least, yeah. Massive and, play tables, tournaments constantly, yep. and uh, paints and all kinds <clears throat> of stuff Absolutely. in there. Yeah, uh, books, manuals, stuff I never seen before, and very helpful, very nice. Do you think like, oh, hey, they're totally gone. I wonder where everybody's going for that stuff. I should stock Flames of War. Not one freaking store out of like five in the Madison area has one Flames of War piece. <sighs> you know, and oh, that's, well. so I'm like, oh, role-playing games, I get it. People aren't stocking them, whatever. But hey, geez, I don't know. One person's like shortcoming is another There's person's the- <laughs> opportunity. Derp. Yeah, it was an entire business model that's left, and it's still a business model that's open there. <laughs> yeah, and bolt action, man. If somebody like like did flames of war and bolt action, and there were war, I mean, where where are the war gamers in Madison going now? Online? I have no idea. I have no I, idea. I'm, I'm assuming they're going online because where else are they going to go? And where do they know. where do they play? Don't know. Shit, I don't know. <sighs> it's sad. Jesus Christ! <clears throat> All right, nine number one, posted by Stan Shin. He's the man. Stan the man. Shin. Traveler PC generator. I got a sh- I got a link in the show notes. You go to the website, it generates a PC for you. Bam. Want another one? Hit refresh. Bam. Another one. Damn, I just did it. I've got Armal Colonel Andrew Tanaka. Age 34. Skills. Service history. Holy crap. Funny thing is you can actually generate one that dies. Oh well, that's that works. Yeah, because in Traveler, you can actually die through character gen, which some of us know. Yep. Check it out. If you play Traveler, check it. Uh, there, death and service. There Just you got go. one. <laughs> that was there four you. clicks and I died. Yay! Yep. I played Traveler. Number two, Dyson Logos. They've got a huge presence on G+, but others that may not uh, that may not be on the G+, um, may not have heard of them. So they're a great resource. They've got some cool free maps. Check it out. Dyson logos. Any awards are up for voting. Any awards? Their grant. If you hadn't heard, uh, we interviewed Hans. Hans Cummings. He is the. He was the gent who fields all the submissions. Now the submissions are done. The judges have looked over everything. They've put up all the nominees that are qualified and up for voting. So it's a big deal. To everybody, we did not get podcast to Brett because they have best podcast. I, I saw some well, of them. Okay. There was I, one if, of them was like has like ten episodes. Well, we sure as fuck are not sending him this episode because this episode's not so good, man. I'm feeling bad right now. I'm gonna blame it on my technical issues. That's what I'm blaming. I'm it just on. gonna send in one that's like, I love the Ennies. I love the Ennies. Just repeat it over <laughs> and over. I love you. I love the Ennies. I will sell my first baby to the Ennies. I love the Ennies. <laughs> Uh, anyways, any words are up for voting. Check it out. Link in the show. I don't know. I don't remember when the voting, um, stops. Some big heavy hitters, some underdogs. I like voting for all kinds of stuff in there. Cool. The problem with some people, 
the bitch that they have about the Ennies is if you're a big juggernaut and everybody's playing the specific game, then they're more apt to get more votes. Which Whatever. They, well, in all fairness, I mean, D&D is the 300-pound gorilla. So if everybody's playing D&D and they don't know anything about any of the other things, products, they're going to be like, oh, D&D, loop, and they're going to cast their vote for D&D. Oh, Although well. Han says there's a weird kind of percentage sliding scale thing that offsets that. I don't know. Ready? Next one. Go. I got number four. Anti-GenCon, online game con. If you're not going to Gen Con, I think they should rename it, but whatever. Anti-Gen Con, online game con, July 7th to August 2nd. That, is that right? July 7th? Did I put the date in there right? I think I put the date in there wrong. Um, Friday, July 15th to... Whoa. What the hell? Hold on, dude. Let me pull it up. Anti-Gen Con. <clears throat> yes, uh, Jez Gordon. It's uh, the 30th of July. 30th of July. There 30th, we go. 30th of July to, to August 2nd. August 2nd. It's online. It's an online game con. I don't know. I think I got the seven and seven mixed up because he wrote it in European date, which is day, day, month, year. And us Americans don't like that. It's because it's different and it's scary. And we don't like it. <laughs> happy birthday. Next card on that. Bam. Happy, happy birthday, America. So, anyways, July 30th to August 2nd, Anti Gen Con. It's an online con. You go there and you're like, hey, I'm going to run this, I'm going to run that. And it's like worldwide. For anybody who's not going to Gen Con, it's all virtual. Have you ever done an online con like that before? I have I, not. I have. Well, uh, Roberto, my buddy Roberto, um, from Facebook and Google+, I signed up for one of his games, Savage Worlds. went really well. I can't remember what event it was for. Or maybe he was just, I can't remember if it was just like a pickup game he was going to run or if it was in conjunction with an online event like anti-Gen Con. I don't know. But hey, if you're not going to Gen Con, you want a game July 30th through the August 2nd, that'd be awesome. I, I don't maybe maybe I'll, you know, that's a perfect, uh, cool way to test run something. Absolutely. Like, cool. like, like I want to run Fiasco or Savage Worlds for uh, Game Hole. And maybe right. I can do it at Anti-Gen Con. Well, there you go. Yeah, there I go, Brett. What do you think? There I go. There I go. There I go again. I think um, I think we need to not have as many technical difficulties so that we can get this uh, so we can do better next time. Hey, we nailed it on uh, take four. <laughs> take four. We totally nailed it on take totally four. Totally yeah. nailed it. Absolutely. Uh, bloody hell. Yeah. Hey, if you liked what you heard, go to iTunes, leave us a review. We get some added exposure and helps us get noticed by other people that may not know we exist. Otherwise, um, go to... You know, email us at gamingmbs at gmail.com. Go to our blog at gamingmbs.com. Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus. We're around. Yeah, we're around. So thanks for tuning in. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. Good game and all.